Friends, as we gather for worship this morning, we call to mind the words of Psalm 46, which says that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. And today is a special day as we gather for worship this morning. Did you know, anybody know what day it is? Yeah, all the things, right? It is Sunday, it is Halloween, and it is Reformation Sunday, okay? So let me remind you just a bit of what that is. Just over 500 years ago, a monk named Martin Luther went and nailed his 95 theses to the doors of a church in Wittenberg, Germany, and so began the Protestant Reformation. The good news of that time is that change in the church was desperately needed, and so it started. The hard part, of course, is that it created division within the church from which we are still healing today. Importantly, the Reformation was not supposed to be a revolution. Martin Luther did not intend to split the church. He sought a change of heart from within and for all. And his great passion was that all would know that salvation is from God alone. He wrote a song, a famous one, built on a bar tune, and it has now been sung by many churches, including Protestants and Roman Catholics alike. The song is called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It is based on Psalm 46, and I invite you to stand and let's sing that song together.
of this new day. 
We place into your hands our family and friends, our work to be done and rest to be enjoyed, decisions we will make, obstacles we encounter, strangers who pass our way, and the services we shall offer. We call to you, O Lord, at the beginning of this new day, our rock and our fortress, our strength and deliverer, for all we have is yours, each moment of this day, given to us by grace alone, and offered back to you in your name, our offering of praise. Through Christ our Lord, amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, today we have the great joy of welcoming into our fellowship new members here at Fellowship Church. And in fact, I'll invite them to start to make their way towards the stage here as I'm giving a little introduction. These folks that are coming forward right now have endured uh, with joy our Discover Fellowship Cafe. They have shared their stories with our elders. They have been affirmed by our consistory, and they are here now to join as members before you. I want to make a word about membership because in our culture today, we sometimes think differently about membership. We live in a consumer culture, and so we think in terms of buy and get. You can think of like a Costco membership or a Sam's Club membership or something else. But this kind of membership is a bit different. It's a biblical kind of membership where membership is spoken of as a body, kind of like a hand or a knee or a foot, where each part belongs and each part contributes. And so that's what we're talking about today when it comes to membership in the fellowship body. But first, you've got to meet these people. And Pastor Nate. That's their job. Instead of uh, us introducing uh, them to you, they will introduce uh, their names, but also uh, answer the question, why fellowship? Uh, which is a way of thinking about why uh, they want to join with us in mission. So uh, I'll let these folks go first. Hello, everyone. Um, we are Becca and Brandon Folker, and then this is our son, Blaine. He's seven months old and recovering from a very busy weekend right now. So um, we are so excited to be at Fellowship. We have felt welcomed from the first time we visited um, and just love how um, welcoming everybody has continued to be. Um, and it just feels like home already. Hi, I'm Chris Dupree, my wife, Barb Dupree, up on the screen there, can't be with us today. Uh, we really have two, two things. Uh, first of all, the, we really resonate with the mission statement of this church. We believe the congregation is warm and welcoming and lives out that mission statement, as well as the pastors and great preaching, great worship. And second of all, we've been incredibly blessed by joining a fellowship circle last year when the staff urged us to do that coming out of COVID. And we become dear friends with this group, and it is, it's been a huge effect on us here, and we really appreciate it. Hi, I'm Nathan, and this is my wife, Abby. Um, we, we decided to join Fellowship because this table's pretty. 
Um, we actually actually got married last year, um, and so we wanted to find a church that we could call our home, and we looked for a good church community and a worship that meant uh, a worship that was both sung some old hymn, older hymns and uh, the newer contemporary music, and we think we found a place for us, so... <laughs> Hi, we're Dave and Cheryl Halst. Uh, we've joined Fellowship because we felt that it offered authentic and engaging worship through music, the word, and prayer. And uh, also we feel that the church has many opportunities where it engages people to be the hands and feet of Christ to the congregation and to the community. We're the Spoolhoffs, <clears throat> Craig and Wendy. Uh, we do have three boys as well. Uh, one is here. Matthew, raise your hand. <laughs> you didn't know you were going to have to do that, did you? <laughs> Congratulations. Just made it in time, too. So uh, Matt's 23, his older brother's 24, and we have a 21-year-old. So uh, thanks for making it out here, bud. Uh, we, when we left our old church a couple years ago, there's really three boxes we wanted to check. The first was pastoral leadership. And earlier at the first service, I said we hit the trifecta. But is it really a trifecta if you traded away LeBron? <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, the two, Nate and, uh, and Ross, are amazing. You know, uh, how many of you come and you look in the bulletin and it doesn't matter who's preaching because they're both great. So you guys are awesome. The second box uh, is uh, we're, we're looking for a worship experience. Uh, we had, you know, drifted from... Uh, you know, I'd walk out of Sunday church with Wendy, and she'd say, that was so slow. And then we visited a, uh, a church in town where it was more rock and roll Jesus. So I think that, you know, Nate, Nate hit it when he said, you know, the pace that Jess and this awesome team develops is somewhere right down the middle. Um, so maybe at our age, that's where we are. And then the third box, really, we were looking for a community, and uh, we found it here. Uh, I'm, I, I lead the Boys and Girls Club here in town, and the reality is that when we walk in and we see the trailer for Hand in Hand, and you recruit 50 tutors to work with Kids Hope, and you know, you'll hear about uh, this month and the things that uh, we're going to do as a church. We're thankful to be here. So uh, that's probably two minutes too long, but uh, just wanted to say thank you for the hospitality that you've already shown my wife and I. And uh, uh, we'll work hard to be part of this con congregation. We're Diane, I'm Diane and Jerry Boss. And um, we joined basically because we were, well, the music, the preaching is awesome. Um, the fellowship here is so awesome. In fact, after the first service, people came up to us, they welcomed us, and we felt really just a positive spiritual feeling about about it, and we're very happy to be here. For Nancy and me, this is a very special homecoming. We originally joined Fellowship Church in 1983. We were here just short of 25 years before we went um, downtown as urban missionaries and got involved in cross-cultural ministry at Fourth Reformed Nueva Comunidad. And 
So last summer during COVID, we started um, following online, and Nancy said to me again this morning, as she has before, we always knew. We always knew that we'd be coming home. So here we are, and we look around and um, see many, many, many familiar faces, but you've all gotten about 15 years older. <laughs> and our little people that we spent so much time with um, here are now adults and have families, and we have even have Lindsay as a deacon that we knew as a little person. So we're glad to be here, and we thank you for the warm welcome. I'm Susan Buck. This is my husband, Steve. We um, visited Fellowship for the first time on the recommendation of our daughter-in-law, who's a friend of Nate's sister-in-law. And the very first day we were here, um, someone dragged him over to meet us. And with the introduction of the scripture as from the book that we love to the closing sentiments of all God's people said amen, the teaching, the music, and the sense of community within the congregation and the sense of outreach to the, to the wider community are all things that drew us here. Hi there, um, Marcel and Hope Vanitop. And we were looking for a church when we moved to this part of town somewhere close. So we live on 168th and Riley and the One Direction, well, they, they go to church on Saturday and we don't <laughs> understand their language. And then we came here and there was Nate. He was really happy. I think <laughs> Michigan won that day or something, but yeah. Um, no, it's solid preaching. Uh, we come to love here and um, very friendly. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Daniel Gonzalez Gomez, and everyone next to me knows and needs no introduction is my wife, Petra. Um, we came to fellowship um, just this past summer. We were at a, um, going to get married, and we took premarital counseling with Pastor Nate, check, Pastor Ross. And after the session, in small fine print, of one of the conditions after completing the session was becoming a member of the church. Wow, so, <laughs> that's a different form of premarital, Pastor Ross. <laughs> but now that I think about it, going back four years coming here, it was a more of a grander scheme from different people that Ross was the final person to, you know, hit the nail on the rock. But the main reason why we joined Fellowship as a family, the um, reason why she's up here next to me, because um, she's been a member for, what, 16 years already. <laughs> Well, because we love the community and the loving, um, that the servanthood of here, of the people here is just a great community. And being um, middle school youth leaders has been such a great opportunity to be a thumb and minister to them. And so we thank for the opportunity and signing the final print of me coming a member here. <laughs> We're grateful for that. Good morning. We are um, Jenny and Ed Schmidt, and um, we began our journey to come here um, a year ago and when COVID hit and um, Ed retired as a minister and we packed up our things and moved to Holland and we watched online for um, quite a few of the months of over the winter and um, landed on fellowship for several reasons. Um, we were really drawn to the fabulous worship services and the relevant preaching that we heard and especially the music that cause us to praise God, and we just felt like that was a place where we could worship God and we could be used by him, and we're really excited to be here. We get, look forward to getting to know more of you. Thank you. Well, thank you, everyone, for your willingness to share uh, who you are uh, in the slightest form, in the form of your name, uh, and also a little bit about what uh, you see in who we are as a community. 
we are going to ask you questions that we ask all new members that is a way of affirming the faith that we subscribe to together in Jesus Christ. Uh, so let me ask you, uh, or not ask you quite yet, but beloved of God, today we ask you before God in Christ's church to reject evil, to profess your faith in Jesus Christ, and to confess the faith of, of the church. Do you renounce sin and the power of evil in your life and in this world? Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Will you be a faithful member of this congregation and through worship and service seek to advance God's purposes here and throughout the world? Do you, do you promise to accept the spiritual guidance of the church, to walk in a spirit of Christian love with this congregation, and to seek the things that make for unity, purity, and peace? And as they have made their promises, we invite you as the Congregation of Fellowship now to stand and we make promises to them as we are a covenant family together. So this question is for you, Fellowship Church. Fellowship Church, do you promise to love, encourage, and support these brothers and sisters by extending God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and in service? We do. Excellent. Now let's join our voices together, all of you newbies and the rest of the congregation. Let's say together the Apostles' Creed as a foundation of our faith here. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was, was crucified, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the, On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are so excited to welcome these dear sisters and brothers into the life and community of Fellowship Church. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, we ask, and fill us and your entire church, for that matter, so that together we might be united in you and collectively bear witness to the love and the grace that we know in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. service, I'll say it again, a little commissioning from Ephesians chapter 4, which challenges us to live a life worthy of the calling which we have received. And we seek to do that together here at Fellowship. Hey, would you join in welcoming these, our newest members? Hmm. Thanks be to God for you in our midst. You may return to your seats or off to other things as you were in the first service. And uh, would you all turn and greet one another as we continue in worship this morning.
friend. 
Well, good morning, church. The Lord be with you. My name is Ross Dielman, one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church, where together it is our mission to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. And we turn back and bless God for the members who just joined us in that particular mission. Thanks be to God. Just this past Wednesday night, we had what we called Fall Fest. I want to share a few uh, photos from that. We gather on Wednesday nights anyways for a meal and fellowship together. But this was Fall Fest where we had a variety of chilies. We had a photo booth. We had a bunch of activities that were done uh, for all ages for the evening. And it ended even outdoors with a hayride and a campfire. These nights we do on Wednesday nights are continual, so you are welcome to join us for these, and uh, it's a great night uh, where we belong and grow and serve together, uh, and, and we're thankful to do that. Also, I want to draw your attention to our bulletin. You'll notice we have this big feature in the middle called No Scrooge November, which is a nice little play on No Shave November, if you know the college tradition to get really itchy uh, over this next month. We're instead going to do No Scrooge November. We're inviting ourselves to not be miserly. And you can see that uh, there's four different things listed in the bulletin, ways to be supporting different things in our community. And uh, that goes alongside of our general ministries here, the Ministry Budget of Fellowship, which supports things like Community Night and also many of our mission partners. And we look forward to kind of challenging ourselves for this month ahead where we start to tip towards all the big spending of Christmas uh, to enter into a no-scrooge November and to be generous towards others. So take a look at that. Information is in your bulletin. And there's stations actually out just beyond the sanctuary for each of those spaces where you can pick up some supplies. Finally, I want to say kids who are soon to go off to Miss Betsy and Miss Emily for your uh, activities this morning, please do stay. We have a video to share with you, yet another of our Fellowship Stories videos. Our text for this morning centers on the building of the temple, and this is a story that's somewhat related. So kids, please stay, and you can scoot once the video is done. Let's take a look. Steve Gronius, and I've been at Fellowship, actually our family's been at Fellowship for 16 years, and I've been on staff since 2014. I'm Jan Wagner. Carol and I came here about 10 years ago from Chicago. We came here uh, mostly because we had two children here. I'm Bill Van Eck. Been here uh, over 43 years. Our daughter turned 43 this year, and we were here a few years before she was born. My wife and I have talked about this many times, that the sanctuary is, has a very warm feeling, and it also has a very open, but yet inviting feeling. When I'm in the sanctuary, I often think of what we, uh, as a committee, came up with, and uh, it's a beautiful experience to come in here on a weekly basis and see uh, what we dreamed about come to life. Think about this space being a space that feels peaceful. Um, I feel a presence here of the Spirit often when I come into this space.
We built this uh, because the uh, original facility uh, was no longer uh, the size that it should be to accommodate the number of people that we had. I've seen that this sanctuary has been a place uh, that was built so that we could maintain the small church feel, even with it being a larger church. And so we could have more people in the space. One of the, the facts I remember as we talked about this space was that from the front of the sanctuary to the back was actually closer than the old sanctuary. So people could feel closer to what was happening, yet we've had more people able to participate as a body. Um, the first memory that I had was a very, very cold winter day, and Steve and I were standing on the roof of the original building watching them place this beam. It was a real cold day that way, and we watched them come in, set the crane, set the cranes up, get the cranes in play, position, and set this huge beam on that column and that column. Uh, that was a fun one, and then just before we did the finishes of the sanctuary, all the members of the church were, had the opportunity to come here and sign scriptures on the walls, on the beams, behind the drywall of stuff that really affected them through this whole process. And I think that's really cool because they're there today. There's spots on the floor where we, people wrote their name and a scripture verse, and then we sealed them with lacquer and then covered them all up, but they're always gonna be here. The project from when we started to break ground until we had our move-in Sunday was about 14 months. In the 14 months, it was about $4.5 million. That would be the building and the furnishings. We didn't know what we were gonna do with the cross. We had many different options, different ideas for the cross, what to put there. Yeah, this cross was at the very um, west end of the old sanctuary, up on the wall there, and we tossed around so many different ideas, and I don't remember if it was Jan or somebody else said, why don't we just take the cross from the original sanctuary and move it here and put it on the wall? And that was just an amazing idea. It fit perfectly, the cross looks great where it is, and it just ties it all together. It really does. Somehow I got tangled up uh, in making a decision uh, about the beam. And the beam, generally speaking, uh, if uh, you want, all want to take a look, uh, the beam originally was going to be steel. In fact, everything up here was going to be steel. Everything was going to be all steel. Of, the whole place was steel. Right. And so I think that uh, I was probably the one that uh, originally mentioned that we ought to take a look at uh, a wood beam, which has a, warm, more, a much more warmer feel to it than steel. One of the things that I loved about what our architect did in this space was, uh, and I can't help but look around to see it all, uh, is that he was taking elements, all kinds of natural elements and pulling to them together, and at the same time also thinking about uh, elements from the past. So if you look around, you see crosses everywhere as he tied those in. These little side vestibules that are off on the side, he actually was inspired by cathedrals. Uh, I remember him talking about right. that, is that cathedrals yeah. have these little side things. So he's doing a nod to the Christian tradition of the past, but then also looking ahead to the future. And, and one of the things that uh, he pulled into this space that was also another natural element 
not just stone and wood and all these things, but also that beam, that support up in the front um, of the sanctuary actually has tree branches. The funny thing is when you're in this space, most people who are sitting on one side of it, they don't even know that it's there. Yeah, but, if you, it. you know, yeah. but it's kind of fun when you walk around and you go, oh yeah, there's, there's tree branches there. I would also hope that generations to come would still have the small church warm feeling that we had in the original sanctuary that has carried over to this one. Uh, I hope that the next generation can learn something from what uh, we as a committee did. And uh, I would hope that a uh, hundred years from now when you're going to increase this, that you have the same experience that our committee had. It was truly a blessing. I would just mention one more thing. I was uh, overwhelmed uh, at the cooperation of the committee. I think uh, we did a wonderful job in dealing with uh, highly controversial issues at given times. And somehow, uh, through God's presence, right. uh, we came to uh, uh, conclusions. Uh, the result is this. And I think as humans, um, we want to take a lot of credit, but I, I honestly believe that the Lord was part of the whole program. What a cool video, huh? I think this is the time when the children leave. Uh, and uh, so, uh, Ross, you're going to cover? No, just kidding. <laughs> The video reminded me of the first worship service that we had here in this space some five years ago in September of 2016. We actually started in the former sanctuary and made our way through the atrium, which was filled with building materials as it was still uh, being uh, renovated in that space. We were accompanied by song and the drum and the word of God uh, that we followed, and kids were processing with uh, um, flyers things, you know, those things. And we acknowledged uh, together the importance of that previous space and the special things that God had done there. And we also celebrated in anticipation of what God would do here in this space in the future. 2016 marked for fellowship a significant threshold from one known reality to a not yet realized future, from a past that we knew and loved to an anticipated and hoped for uh, reality that we trusted would bring about new generations of faithfulness. It was a significant threshold for the life of Fellowship Church. It reminds me of a thing, an activity, a game that we do uh, each time we have our Discover Fellowship class in which we consider some of the significant milestones or thresholds that we as a society go through. It's a fun game, a lot more fun than the game yesterday for some of us. But it's an interactive way for us to recall some of the significant milestones in our society. Maybe you can uh, help me remember, or you can remember with me. What year did the pilgrims arrive at Ply Plymouth Rock? 1620. Somebody said 16-something over here. What year was the Declaration of Independence signed? You all know this one. 1776, there you go. What year did Martin Luther nail the thesis, 95 Thesis on the door at Wittenberg that Pastor Ross mentioned? 
1517, some 504 years ago to the day uh, on uh, the Halloween, All Saints Eve, Reformation Sunday. Maybe a more modern history one, you'll know this one. What year did Neil Armstrong take his first step on the moon? 1969, some folks were alive for that. What year did the world lose its mind? I mean, what year did Facebook get established? <laughs> 2004, in case you were wondering. These years, these significant events marked for us as a society a threshold from one past that we knew to a new future that was becoming, you might say. We've come in the story of Scripture to another significant threshold for in the life of Israel. Last week, Pastor Ross reminded us of uh, King David, who was a saint and a sinner, a man after God's own heart, a prototype, you might say, king of Israel, a threshold of its own. This week, we are considering David's son, Solomon, the third king of Israel, who was responsible for, primarily, the construction of the temple. The temple, the landmark uh, for God's people, the sanctuary where they would dwell with God and one another, the central location for Israel, the, a permanent fixture dedicated to God and to God's presence. The temple represented for Israel a significant threshold, not just as a religious community, but as a people, too. No longer were they wanderers uh, mindlessly going through the wilderness. No longer were they slaves in Egypt. No longer were they finding their way to the promised land for 40 years in the desert. No longer were they a minute nation of Israel under the threat of uh, domination from the countries around them. Israel had become established, not just as a people, but a people with a home. And they wanted a permanent fixture dedicated to worship. The construction and the completion of the temple marked a significant threshold in the life of Israel. Our passage this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 8, and it's after three chapters outlining the details and the mechanisms by which uh, this structure was built, uh, the furnishings, the size, uh, the decorations, and what they did inside of it. We're going to listen to 1 Kings chapter 8, which is the dedication ceremony. Uh, Solomon gathers the people together to dedicate this new building together. We're going to read just the first 13 chapters if you want to follow along. The rest of the chapter, which is 50 plus more verses, which I would love to read with you because it's so good, uh, is also so long. So I'll leave that to you to read this week if you have some space. Listen for the word of the Lord from 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of tribes, the leaders of the ancestral houses of the Israelites, before King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, Zion, which is Zion. All the people of Israel assembled to King Solomon at the festival in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders came and the priests carried the Ark. So they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites brought them up. King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. 
And the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark so that the cherubim made a covering above the ark and its poles. The poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from the outside. They are there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except for the two tablets of stone that Moses had placed there at Horeb, Mount Sinai, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites when they came out of the land of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house. And Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell forever. This is the word of the Lord. Nearly one year after the completion of the temple, Solomon gathered the people of Israel for this kickoff ceremony, this opening ceremonies of sorts, this dedication of the temple, and the shining moment of this event, the the thing that encapsulated it, it all, was the ushering in of the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies. That's church language, similar to that first song that's like, at least it was for me when I was a fifth grader in Sunday school with Glenn and Jane Lau back then, and they were talking about the Ark of the Covenant. You're like, what's the Ark of the Covenant? Two things came to mind as a fifth grader when I was thinking about the Ark of the Covenant. One, the Ark, is that, is that somehow related to Noah and that big ship that he had with all the animals? And the other image is that of a golden trunk, you know, like Indiana Jones was seeking in the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the the Ark of the Covenant that they were capturing. The Ark of the Covenant, in my non-church words, is a container for relationship. Ark, like the boat that carried the animals, is a vessel, a a container, a, a safe house for keeping something very special. Covenant. You know that word. Its uh, basis is in relationship. It's much more than relationship, certainly. It's a bond, a commitment, a steadfast and eternal. We sometimes and often in the church call it a Christian marriage is a covenant. There's something special about that relationship. It's a two-way or three-way covenant depending on how you speak of it. The Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of God's relationship with humanity. And it held in it the word of God. The two tablets that Moses had written, the the Ten Commandments, we might say, the, the, the very thing that distinguished the people of Israel from all other peoples was that they followed this law, this word of God. The Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of the relationship God had with humanity. A significant threshold had been crossed because that Ark the Ark of the Covenant had moved from a temporary home in the tent that with the wandering people to a permanent place, a place dedicated for its very presence, for the presence of God to dwell here on earth in Israel at the temple. The temple was a physical sign of something that was happening for the people of Israel. They were defended. They were well off. They were wealthy. And most importantly, they had a permanent place for God's presence to dwell. They crossed a threshold. Their future would be different 
and their past was known. What are some of the significant thresholds that you have crossed in your life? Or maybe you're going through a significant threshold right now. A milestone that makes you think deeply about what's going on and what's going to happen in your life where you consider how your life might take a different shape. Maybe you've hit a certain decade recently and think about life a little bit differently as a 30-year-old or a 50-year-old or a 80-year-old. Maybe you've changed a vocation or your employer and you wonder, who will I be in this new role? What gifts can I bring to this organization? Maybe you've graduated from school and you wonder, what's next for me? How will I use my gifts? Or maybe you're in the midst of forming a new relationship with a person or an organization and you're wondering, will this last? And how will it change me? I think threshold moments open us up more poignantly to God's, um, God's direction in, their, in our lives, don't they? They beg questions of us that are not easy to answer. They create tensions for us about what life's, what's most important in life. They help us evaluate why we're here and what we're doing. The temple dedication for the Israelites was a significant threshold that caused them to ask really big questions. And I think there's some questions that could be relatable to us today too. Specifically, I think it invites us to evaluate how we use our gifts and resources. On the one hand, Solomon and the people of Israel were living in the most prosperous time in Israel's history to date by far. They were established. They had strong allies that actually helped them build the temple. They were wealthy and gifted enough to buy the materials they needed to do such a thing. I can imagine some Israelites at the time thinking, it's about time we built a house fitting for the glory and awesomeness of God. Let's spare no expense and make this incredible. And that's certainly what they did. It was an extravagant temp- temple with large cedars that they had shipped down the coast from Lebanon. There was a granite rocks that they hand-carved to make it a, a, an indefinite uh, temple. There were 30-foot-high ceilings with intricate carvings on, on the walls that represented the Garden of Eden. There was cherubim, these giant bird structure things that were made of olive wood and then plated in gold. There were two bronze pillars that stood right outside the temple that didn't serve any function on their own, but simply a reminder of the majesty and the awesomeness of God. Just to name a few. The temple was an awesome place. The best use of the people's gifts and resources. A building fit for the glory of God and the gathering of God's people. And... And on the other hand, was this really the best use of the people's resources and gifts? I mean, Solomon said that this temple was going to last forever. Wrong. The temple got captured and ransacked not once but twice. The Ark of the Covenant would eventually be destroyed. Not only that, could God's presence be limited to that one building? No! Even Solomon acknowledged that in the prayer later on in the chapter when he says, but, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, the highest heavens cannot contain you, O God. How much less this temple that I have built? 
Not only is the purpose of the temple worth questioning, but what about the means by which it was made? Solomon heavily taxed the Israelites and forced them to give up one month of every three months of their life to serve forcibly to build the temple. And then he contracted with foreigners to construct those beautiful bronze statues and get the cedars from Lebanon. And it incurred such a high debt to these foreign countries for all the work that they had to do and the supplies that they made that Solomon actually sold a hunk of Israel back to a country with its inhabitants to that foreign country to pay back the debt that he had incurred. The temple was a high, high cost for the Israelites. And while some could withstand the heavy taxation, others were still going hungry and others didn't have suitable housing. I can imagine some of the Israelites wondering, is this really the best use of our gifts and resources to be spent on a building and not given for the sake of charity? The dedication ceremony in 1 Kings chapter 8 was a threshold of a new era for Israelites. But it begged the uncomfortable questions and it asked Israel to live into the tension to evaluate their intentions on building it. Was this really the best use of our gifts and resources? Whether we're standing at a significant threshold in our lives or not, I think that's a good question for us to wrestle with as well. How are we using our gifts and resources that God has given to us? It's a tension that we've lived into as a community that even caused some controversy, as you heard in the video. I mean, should we use wood beams to make a beautiful sanctuary that, that, that creates a warmth? Or should we save some significant money and just use steel beams? Should we put wider cushioned seats in the sanctuary that is more hospitable and warming to guests? Or should we just use plastic chairs? They're a lot cheaper. Should we build a wall of windows that helps us to, to, to remember that we are a part of the created order that God has made? Or should we just put a few small windows that could save us a lot of money and, and bring in a little daylight? Or should we have furniture that is custom made for the space that is aesthetically pleasing? Or should we just pull in the old, sanctuary, or old furniture from the sanctuary, a former sanctuary? Some even ask the bigger questions about should we be building a new sanctuary at such a high cost or should we just be giving more money to our mission partners? I think the question is boiled down to do we use our gifts and resources to create a place for us to love God or do we offer them in love for the sake of others? To make explicit this false dichotomy that I am creating, the answer fitting with our fall worship series is that this is not an either or, this is a both and kind of question. We seek to love God and love others with the gifts and the resources that we have. Each time that we as a community send off mission people to visit our mission partners, both uh, stateside and globally, I think the same question gets raised, doesn't it? When we jump in that car or buy those plane tickets to go visit our mission partners, 
we wonder, should we be spending all that money to ship us there when we could just be giving the money directly to them and they can do a lot of good with it? I remember us as a community wrestling with that on a short-term mission trip to Nicaragua. We were sitting in a conference room, you might say, in Pod, in the capital city of Managua, and we were there with some of our mission partners that live in Nicaragua. And we were asking the same question, like, next time, maybe we should just send you money instead of coming to visit. And one of the Nicaraguans said, yeah, you could do that, and we would certainly put it to good use. And you can't send a hug in the mail, which is a simple answer that points to a deeper truth, I think, that our gifts and resources, our time, our talent, and our treasures are for the sake of fostering relationships, relationships with God and relationships with others, not one or the other which I think begs the question for us this morning. How do you see your gifts and resources as tools to foster relationships? Relationships with God and with those in your community. The temple was built, my friends, as a house for the Ark of the Covenant, a physical representation of God's presence, and it was built as a place for the Israelites to gather and worship, and it was a place for the foreigner, the ones that didn't yet know God, to come and experience and encounter God. The temple was built to mediate relationships. However, we all know that the temple would fail the Ark of the Covenant would be lost, God, but God would not give up on us. God would not give up on a way to mediate relationship with God and humanity. God would not sit back and watch. God would send into this world an even better container for God's presence, an even better picture of the covenant that God has made with humanity. In the sending of Jesus Christ, God would display the great lengths that he would go to mediate a relationship with us. Jesus would be, for all of humanity, the greatest threshold of all time, taking us from alienation to belonging, from sinner to saint, from broken to redeemed, from Scrooge to generous. Let's be a people who seek relationship with that Christ above all things and use all of our gifts and resources to that end. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. In our response to God's great love and coming in flesh, we invite you to stand and as we sing this closing song, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, we offer our full selves back to God in worship.
may be seated. Except for you two, please. I think this is the part of the service where they would prefer to disappear into the beautiful woodwork. <laughs> because it is um, Pastor Appreciation Month, the last day of it, I admit. <laughs> Not right a on. day too early. Right but but we're, we just can't let this slide by. Mm. Um, so we do have um, some things for you. Uh, we have some uh, homemade cookies in here. Um, and I know why you made sure your kids went to Sunday school today, so make sure their kids know there's cookies to share. Oh, come on. Okay. Um, there's some good coffee stuff I know you'll appreciate. Um, oh, and a, a Michigan fan good, well, good soon card. Oh, come on. We need uh. that. Thank you, Jeff. You are awesome. Thank you. So, and so we appreciate, I mean, you listen to what the, uh, what the new members said today, and I know it's, it's felt by the whole uh, fellowship family for all you guys, um, but um, you are loved, and you are appreciated, and just want to wanna thank you for that, so thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you all. And thanks be to God for the gift of our pastors. So we're going to end this morning uh, giving praise to God from whom all blessings flow. I'd invite you to stand and let's sing together the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. Go in peace.